Hey team, you're about to experience my interview with Pietro Saccomani. Pietro is the founder of MobiLoud, and MobiLoud is a low-code slash no-code platform that allows e-commerce website owners to convert their website into an app, a mobile app, in under two weeks. This technology is phenomenal. We had a fantastic chat about the benefits of apps for e-commerce brands. Hope you enjoy the interview. This is the E-Commerce Edge Podcast with your host, Jason Greenwood. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Pietro Saccomon to the podcast. Welcome, Pietro. Hi, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. We were talking about off-air. That name, I thought, sounded very Italian, and you said, yes, I am Italian. You got it right. I probably butchered the name. But anyways, you're now in Montreal, Quebec, aren't you? And you said, yep, I sure am. And yes, it is indeed cold. It is it, As we're in the middle of winter right now, it is indeed bloody cold, isn't it? Yes, I can confirm. <laughs> it has been quite a shock coming from Italy, but I've adjusted over the last four years. So I'm pretty happy here. Very nice. And you have built a platform. You're the founder and CEO of a platform called Moby Loud. But before we get into that and what that is and, and how you got into that piece, why don't we take a little bit of a walk down memory lane here and talk just a little bit about how you came to be in this industry. Look, you've been working in e-com tangentially at least since 2012. You've worked at a few different with a few different companies. You founded a few different companies and technologies. So what took you from working in business development Apple into e-com? What sucked you in? Yeah, that's definitely an interesting path I went down. At Apple, I was initially working in a team, essentially working in retail and managing their premium reseller program. So that was a, a bit of a first introduction to the world of retail. I left Apple and I started essentially an agency doing custom development. We did mobile app development. It was 2012 then. So it was really, I guess, at the height when of the hype cycle for apps and mobile in general. And I was completely sucked into that world and very, very interested. And with a friend, we just decided, okay, we need to do something. There's something about timing. It felt right. I just always had this want to, to have my own business, build something for myself, build products eventually, but we didn't have an idea. So we just started doing product development, software development, iOS, some on the web. We built apps. And as we started building the first few apps, we started seeing repeating patterns and requests. And we started building apps for media companies at the start that really just wanted to have a mobile app presence to, to their website and kind of add that additional challenge, sorry, channel. And we saw the opportunity to build something that could be solving the problem for more and the many sites out there that had a website but didn't have a mobile app. And so that was really the beginning of this product. And we went through many iterations over the years. We started, as I mentioned, in media. Over time, we just started seeing requests from all sorts of companies. E-commerce was a frequent one, but web apps and uh, startups that, that wanted to have that app presence, that wanted to continue building on the web, essentially, and have an app counterpart to what they had already built, and just couldn't imagine rebuilding everything from scratch as a viable solution. And we saw that need, and we built more platforms. We went through different iterations, and it's been, honestly, a, a learning process that hasn't stopped. We've made so much changes, so many changes to the business just last year. And e-commerce for us has been a, a process of essentially finding the ideal customer profile for the business. 
And that has started mostly from responding to the needs of each individual customer and adding functionality to the business and to the product and learning over time that our customers want, in a way, the job done. They want, they, they probably don't care about the building process per se. They just want the app. And so that's how we started adding a, a lot more service and support into our overall offer. And we started learning that really the main idea that this guest, this guest have about an app and their need is to add another channel but without adding more work for themselves or for their team to manage and maintain this channel separately. And so the solution of the typical alternative of building a custom app from scratch really just doesn't work for them, right? It's just not only too expensive and too time consuming, and that obviously is the biggest blocker, but then it creates a lot more work because you have to constantly maintain that other piece alongside your main thing, which is the web. And especially in e-commerce, our customers have loads of competencies and have teams, technical teams. They have chosen a tech stack. They have built maybe custom functionality on their website. The idea of rebuilding everything or trying to replicate that, whether that's working with an agency and building something custom or even trying to find some kind of app builder that might solve most of that need, it just doesn't work. And so ultimately what they need is they need something that is essentially exactly like their website, but that uh, gives them access to the app stores Play Store, and push notification, and kind of overall all the benefits that a mobile app presence provides that a website cannot provide on its own. And really a solution that is this combination of platform and service really serves for that need. Wow, that is a lot to digest. And I appreciate the breakdown of kind of the origin story of how MobiLoud came to be. I'd like to turn back the clock, maybe 10 years or so, to when you really... You know, 11, 12 years ago, when you really started to do this in earnest and you really started to develop this as more of a productized solution, no code, low code type of solution. Let's cast our mind back to what the market was doing at the time. And I remember with a pretty significant amount of clarity what was happening at that time. So we didn't have, that was really just the birth of truly responsive websites, right? They were, they were only really starting to, to be able to adapt and resize and scale based on viewport natively. And so at that time, I, I remember that, because uh, I was working agents in agents and helping to build agencies even back then. And we, we were very specific and we were very transparent with our clients. Sure, you can come to us and we'll help build you an e-commerce website on the platforms that we support, but we are not in the business of building apps. We, we don't do that. We do not build apps. So if you want an app, go the app direction, right? And go find an agency that's dedicated to building apps that's very good at it, that is very efficient at it, and it's not gonna cost you a fortune. And they will have almost what we would call accelerators to get you from point A to point B very quickly versus us, we're, we're not specialists in this. And it's gonna cost you a whole lot more time and money. So let us focus on the e-commerce website and you can focus on the app. And the reason why apps at that time were starting to get a lot of attention was because we, we, prior to that, we didn't have anything responsive. We didn't, we didn't have an equivalent of a website that would work just as well on a mobile device as it works on a desktop or a laptop device. So it was a natural bridge at that time that brands would say, let's just go and develop a custom mobile app that can plug all those gaps and have a fantastic mobile experience because the web experience converted to, to mobile is crap. 
And so that was really what drove demand at that time for mobile apps. Then, of course, latterly, everything became responsive, and so the demand for that kind of died away a little bit. Then PWAs came along, and we thought, okay, maybe this is the solution, and maybe this is the omni-device solution, whether it's a, a kiosk in a store, whether it's a giant touchscreen TV, whether it's a website. If we build it all from the ground up as a PWA, maybe this solves our problem, and maybe this allows us to have customers work offline and interact with our web experience, even if the data has to be stored on the device for a period of time. So we've got, it feels like we've gone through this transition where pre-mobile, everything was dedicated to working really well on a desktop or a laptop, and then laterally, perhaps a tablet. But then when we brought down the form factor to being a mobile device, it feels like there's been multiple iterations of how do we solve for the mobile experience. And still, there are some brands that will just have a responsive website, some have a responsive site and, and a mobile app, or maybe a, a responsive site and a PWA that works across multiple devices. There still feels like there's no standardized default approach in our industry of creating a dedicated mobile experience. And it feels like that is the crux of what you are trying to solve for. Yes, I think, thank you for taking me back through that history. And I've lived it at the forefront of that, right? Always wondering, oh my God, PWAs, are we gonna be out of business or should we just jump into that and offer PWAs too, right? So we've always asked ourselves those questions. And then time uh, and time after that, I, I think I've, we've realized, okay, but there's no actual demand and it's not solving the main problem because ultimately you can and you should build a fantastic mobile site. You'd be crazy not to build that and not to have that today. Maybe it was a question 10 or 15 years ago, but now you, you have 60 to 80% of your traffic coming from mobile and you must have a fantastic experience on the web. And I think everybody should have that. Now, once you have that, you have a great experience for people that are maybe finding out about your brand. Maybe they're coming off of an ad that you run on social media and you have to have that great experience. But what the web is missing still is a channel for re-engagement. And that's really the missing piece that our solution is built to, to offer, right? And once you have built that great experience, in my opinion, of course, you'd be crazy to even try and rebuild that, right? Why would you even approach that? Because today, unlike 10 years ago, you can have a mobile site experience or a PWA experience that looks and feels and acts exactly like a perfectly optimized mobile app, right? So like to the best of what you could potentially achieve on a mobile device. And once you have that, you really, what you want is to maintain one single version of that experience, right? You want your team to be able to update and create new promotions, new collections, new sections of your site directly in one place, one time, because every alternative to that is duplication of efforts effectively, right? You're just doing the work twice. And that becomes unsustainable. Not to mention the fact that if you were to say, let's build that kind of counterpart to your site that's separate and different and maybe build custom, then you'll be challenged with kind of constantly trying to catch up in your mobile app with what you've just changed on your website. So I think what has created over time, almost accidentally, but like the perfect situation for us to, in a way, provide this solution that is offering the perfect shortcut, really, to build a mobile app experience that not only solves for navigation, discovery, and doing the job of, uh, that your website is already doing, but also has that re-engagement channel that the web is missing. 
And really the power of push notifications is the primary reason for one to even consider a mobile app, right? Especially this type of mobile app where the experience is essentially the same. So while you can build experiences that are say app specific and tactically that might make sense in terms of promoting your app, but what you get really from an app is the possibility of sending out notifications to your users and reaching them on the device that they carry with them all the time, on the device that they choose to spend their time on whenever they have a moment, right? On the device where increasingly they go first whenever it's about making any kind of purchase decision or even just to waste their time. And oftentimes the lines between content, social and commerce are blurring, right? So shopping is in a way an entertainment activity as well, right? So you want to tap into that allotment of time that people dedicate to whether it's relaxation or just uh, spending this, that time in a way that, that is not working, right? The leisure time, then you'll have a chance with your app to be part of that dedicated time with a channel that you own directly and that you don't have to constantly pay for to essentially re-engage that customer that you already acquired. And we know the challenges today with having to constantly spend to, to bring those customers back to you. That's another primary reason why this owned property that this owned channel of your mobile app makes a ton of sense with push notifications. So you can bring them back without paying the crazy cost of SMS or the ever increasing cost of ads on most social platforms or using email, which of course works, but it just works worse and worse as we go. And so you get this incredible channel and it's essentially free marginally. So you can send unlimited push notification for free with a partner that with a service one signal that we partner with. And once you have it, it's yours. You own that relationship with your customer and you can bring them back whenever you want. And you can run whatever you want inside your app, right? You can build contests, promotions, dedicated offers. You can introduce all your latest drops through your app. You can really decide what you want that experience to be. And if we think about, do you have any data on, because obviously that assumes that the customers opted in to receive notifications and they haven't turned those off in their app. Do you have any data across your family of apps that you've built for your clients of roughly what percentage of those users of that app keep the notifications turned on versus turning them off? Yes, we see about uh, 60 to 80% and it varies by platform, but we see that, that rate in terms of opt-in. And we're working at the moment on trying to build more and more opportunities to increase that number, whether that's implementing best practices, offering an incentive to enable those push notifications as you open the app for the first time, as well as giving you opportunities to enable them later if you chose not to in the first place. So we're working on that and, and certainly trying to put that to the upper end of that range. But even once you consider that, you still end up with final click-through rates that look way better than what you can achieve with email. Once you consider how many of your visitors will subscribe, how many actually get to see your emails, how many actually open the emails, how many click on a link, the CTRs, the, once you have push notification enabled, the open rate essentially is 100%. Everybody sees the notification in their lock screen. They might not open it, of course. Then you look at the click-through rates and we're seeing click-through rates that, that range from two to 20, 30%, really depending on the type of message and offer that, that that's included in there. Wow, that, that, that's an impressive, I guess, conversion rate to click through or click through to then conversion rates, very impressive uh, pathway to funnel customers down. 
especially if they've opted in. Now, when we start thinking about the technical aspects of your platform, you are a platform and a service provider, as I understand it now, full transparency, never used your platform before, never deployed it before. But as I understand it, based on what's on the tin or what's on your homepage, you're a, both a platform and a service provider. So it's not like this is a SaaS platform that they just, or an app that they plug into their Shopify store and then boom, 10 minutes later, they've got this mobile app that they can then link to from their website. You're, you're going through, you're almost like a, we almost think of you like an agency that has a in-house platform that you deliver services on for customers. So they they basically engage with you, not just for the platform, but also for the professional and managed services that go along with that platform, correct? That is correct. We exist somewhere in that spectrum, in that range between a SaaS and a service business. What we've learned over the years is that our customers really don't really want that building experience. What they're looking for is the app launched as soon as possible. And what we enable for them is essentially exactly that, right? So we can absorb all that stress and work that goes into actually getting an app live. And I don't know if, how much experience you've had with launching apps, but it's a process. And it's a process that sometimes requires multiple iterations and builds and attempts and back and forth with Apple and Google. And we've done it thousands of times. So we certainly have a lot to offer on that front in terms of being able to do that efficiently and getting it right uh, as much as we can the first time, uh, but as well as just being there to just make it uh, successful. And to the extent that now we offer a guarantee, we, we're sure that we get it approved. And if not, we'll figure it out, meaning we refund you completely. So we're very confident we can get the app approved and in a very short time. We recently released an app for Brew 21 in, in four days. And that means that we can be very fast and we can take away a lot of the work that otherwise would go with trying to figure out whatever new platform or builder experience that there is. And let's ignore the idea of, of course, custom development that typically takes months, six to 12 months, probably to get a first version of an app that might seem simple on the outside, but once you start considering integrations and all that type of work and just making your entire tech stack work in it, that's the kind of time that it takes at least just to get a first version out. And then it just never starts. <coughs> so we absorb that initial work, but then ongoing support. And on our side, what we have learned recently and started iterating on is, okay, we don't want to stop. We're just taking what your website does and putting a nice frame around it. We essentially help you just tailor that experience so that it truly looks and feels like a mobile app. And so we work with the customer and write our own code that applies strictly to the app to, to improve that user experience within the app without replicating what you've already built on the web. And so maintaining everything that works on your site in terms of custom code, custom filters, sort orders, all the apps and plugins and whatever that's running on your site. So part of your entire tech stack, everything that you're doing in terms of CRO, analytics, everything works in a way out of the box. And that's really the big idea here is that you don't want to, you want to take what you have, adapt it and get a mobile app that kind of works in parallel with your site and just constantly is always up to date with it. And I'm guessing, because I, I did check out your website briefly, and I didn't see any specific language speaking to this, but I'm guessing, and I'd love your validation of this or not, that you must have built your no-code, low-code platform to automatically work with and interpret specific sites built on specific existing platforms. So I'm guessing, look, if your customer comes to you and they've built a completely bespoke website, 
that's probably going to be harder to connect up to your platform than, say, if they're running a Shopify, a BigCommerce, a Magento, a WooCommerce. I'm guessing that there are certain kind of accelerators to getting this connected up end-to-end and being able to create a mobile app experience. And I just would assume that they have to be on an existing platform that you've worked to build these accelerators against, or is, or can you work with any website, regardless of platform, whether it's built from scratch, from the ground up, you can work with anything. So we can actually work with anything. And that's really the, the other big differentiator with alternatives that are on the mark for, for this type of thing. So the concept of, a, of an app builder is something that works generally with blocks or templates that have been pre-built and that connect with a remote API, right? let's say the Shopify API. And there's a bunch of these, right? You might have seen a few around over the years and e-commerce is is a perfect use case for apps. So there's many, but the challenge with this type of approach where you're reliant on on an API is first of all, the limitations with the API per se. So the API just will not do everything that your site will do, right? They will not render through everything custom, for example, that you built on the front end. It will just lack certain elements of your site that that are crucial though for the user experience and that if they're missing that means potentially millions lost because of just a lower conversion rate right there's a big limitation just in relying with apis beyond the fact that you're limited to a certain number of platforms and these solutions tends to be specific for one or maybe two at a time and the other concern is that you're always limited to whatever the platform has provided in terms of elements to create your app visually. So it's design and it's functionality, especially. So if you've built anything on your site, you can think in the case of uh, B2B, a, a configurator or integrations with your entire stack, those things would just be missing, right? So the beauty of our, of our solution really, and the approach in general is that everything works out of the box with anything that you're running your site on, uh, be it a platform or a completely custom solution if you're using custom checkouts or if you're relying on a third-party checkout solution, an alternative checkout solution to have all the benefits that those provide compared to whatever your platform has out of the box, that works too, right? It really follows exactly your choices that you've made on your site and it works with anything potentially. Now, where we are building integrations with the platforms is to power things like automated notifications for orders. So for those, we need to have access to order data, customer data, and trigger those notifications. So for those, we have to have those type of integrations. That's what we work on. And we have it for Shopify, WooCommerce, and we're working on more platforms. Hey team, I have a big favor to ask you. Please pause this episode and send the link of this episode to someone you know that you think would enjoy this content. Really appreciate you spreading the word. This is how we grow. We're not a Joe Rogan. We don't have big, massive advertising budgets. But we absolutely want to grow. We want to get the learnings from all of these episodes out to as wide of an audience as possible. And we need your help to do it. Thank you. And now back to your listening. Wow. Yeah, that, that's an ambitious, it's an ambitious goal to say we can create a mobile app from any website on any platform. That's a, it's a very ambitious goal. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the architecture under the bonnet. I know a lot of this is secret sauce and it's commercially sensitive, so I'm not going to expect you to give away the farm, but behind the scenes, when you build this app, are you using like RPA to basically go to the the customer's, the, the merchant's website and actually complete the transaction on their behalf without having to connect to the APIs? The fundamental underpinning of being able to expose e-commerce functionality through the app 
but without needing to integrate either back to the e-commerce, the main e-commerce store to, to fetch things like inventory and to update catalogs and all that sort of stuff. Do you get a catalog feed from their e-commerce website using, I don't know, maybe GoData feed or some other feed mechanism? Do you require a catalog feed from them? Do you require a customer feed from them? And then when the order object needs to go back down to the, either the e-commerce website or an ERP or something like that, this is usually custom integration to make that happen, but are you injecting the order effectively into the core e-commerce website for fulfillment and the normal e-commerce workflows that go from there? You said that you still are listening, say, for example, to a webhook on Shopify when an order is processed and updated, you're listening to that webhook so that you can send those notifications back to the customer. It feels like there, the, the order still has to be transacted through the core e-commerce website whatever system that may be, so that it has a record of that transaction, right, in the core e-commerce platform. So how do you guys start to think when a new customer comes to you, how do you start to think, cool, we need to replicate this functionality on the front end. If they update their Shopify website, we want the equivalent functionality to be immediately updated on our mobile app, but we still need to leverage the underlying functionality of a Shopify to process an order. What does that look like from a functional perspective? It's still actually much simpler than that. So the core idea is that you're literally turning your website into an app. It's what we were saying before. You figured out responsive web design. You figured out something that looks and feels great on mobile. Now you want that to be the app, right? And that's what we enable. So it's a little simplistic in that way, almost, right? Like you're literally, we're allowing you to use whatever you and what you've built on the web and to continue building on the web and have website and app powered by exactly the same code base. So it's literally your website is effectively powering the mobile app. It's effectively loading inside the app with the adjustments that, that we add and that you can add. So our platform adds certain elements of native navigation, native functionality to the experience, but the core of the experience are literally loaded from your website. And that's an approach that's been it's, it's hybrid app development, right? It, it's been around uh, since forever, right? And I, I think close to 30, 40% of the apps on the app stores are built hybrid. And then another great majority are built using cross-platform frameworks. And now, I guess, purely native apps built just with the core SDKs from iOS and Android are, are almost become the minority. Our approach is somewhat with, within that world of hybrid apps, meaning apps that use web technologies to, to render the app experience, is taking a little bit of a step further. And instead of saying, go replicate whatever you're doing with web technologies, we're saying like, you literally load that same web experience in your app because it's already good enough. If it's not good enough, then go fix that because that should be your priority in any case. So it, an app shouldn't be, as it was, a solution to, okay, we need to have something on mobile it's the days of apps. Let's build an app because I'm not happy with how my desktop website works. The idea is your site is already great. It already works great on mobile. Now you just want to have the benefits of an app without doing the work, right? Without doing the crazy work because it's a completely different world from web development. Going from knowing how to build on the web and having access to an ecosystem of apps and partners and integrations on the web to seeing how slow and time-consuming it is to build natively an app or even cross-platform to build a mobile app. It's just not only you're replicating it, so of course it's slower, but it just takes much longer than building on the web. 
So what we allow you essentially is to continue building on the web and build one thing and have website and app. So the app then becomes essentially a rendering engine, right? It becomes a, a, almost like a virtual browser inside the app that's loading up the mobile responsive version of that website, but also layering on some of the interactive mobile functionality that's provided by the native mobile OSs and layering that on top of the rendering of that mobile website via the app interface. So we're, we're effectively taking literally like a carbon copy of that mobile responsive version of that site for that specific viewport, and we're rendering it in an app interface. Yes, and you can do in the app whatever you want that's potentially different from your site if you want. So you can, you can identify an app user and serve them something slightly different, serve them a different design, serve them different offers, different functionality, but you're in control. You can do that everything from your CMS. You can do everything from the same code that runs your website, your same theme code if you're on Shopify, right? And essentially you could think of it, of the app potentially as if you had your own branded browser just for your website. And with all the functionality that you need to get an app published, on the app stores with push notifications, with all the navigation that a native app needs and that feels and looks exactly like every native app that we use every day, right? So you, the, the apps have their own native tab menu. You can instantly switch from a screen to another. When you uh, tap on any link, it just opens the new link, the new page in a different view. So you can immediately go back. So it's fast, it's smooth, and it has push notifications. That's really is what you want, ultimately, what an app is, frankly. And especially in the use case of, of e-commerce that we're talking about, why would you ever need anything else? You don't need your app to be different from your site. You just need access to this channel and you just need to have something for that portion of your users, of your customers, that frankly, just shop using mobile apps. And if you don't have a mobile app, you're just not gonna reach, right? So you just get that opportunity to serve that segment of customers that shop on apps. And now you have an answer to that. And it didn't cost you a million dollars, right? You have it and you maintain it just as you maintain your website. You don't need a separate team to maintain it. Like we keep working with customers that are maybe at the fourth or fifth app that they build and they've tried all the types. They built them custom, they built them with agencies, they build them with app builders. And eventually they find, especially when they built them custom, is that they need a team of people to maintain them. And even or an agency. It's a ton of work. Or an agency. Yes, realistically, if you're building in-house, you need five or six people. That's literally in the words of our customers that have done it. And so you can eliminate all of that waste in a way and just have something extremely efficient because you just do the work once. And I guess it then leaves your agency. So let's say you've got an agency, it leaves them to ensure that as they build out and they run their testing and then QA and then UAT, that they can simply focus on creating the very best mobile browser experience possible uh, for that specific set of viewports. They can make sure that works absolutely seamlessly, that it scales seamlessly up and down, that all the tabs work correctly, that you can go backwards and forwards as you would expect to, that, that but I noticed that even some layout builders like Squarespace, which I use for my own e-commerce website, they, you can click on three different viewports 
within the edit window so that the blocks, because it's a block-based builder, you can shift the blocks around for each viewport to make sure that the flow works as you would expect it to work on those specific viewports. And so it makes it really easy for me, even though I'm not a developer, I can just drag and drop those blocks and put them in the right place to make sure it looks good for a mobile device. It leaves me and people like me able to continue to do that in their native website builder. Or if it's a custom website or it's using a platform like Shopify and an agency has customized the bejesus out of that, they can continue to use their own workflows internally to optimize for those mobile viewports and those optimizations. And as you say, let's say they're running A-B tests. Let's say they're running multivariate tests. Let's say, they're, let's say they are creating some completely bespoke functionality that only is active in the responsive view for mobile all of a sudden, that is going to be translated effectively automatically through this virtual browser window that lives inside the app. Absolutely. That's exactly how it works. And through your CMS, you have a, a way to filter easily for app traffic because of how we enable you to do that. And, and so you can potentially just segment it and treat it differently, build a different experience with a slightly different design, as well as track it separately, but through the same exact interface and systems that you have already set up. So in Google Analytics, let's say you can have, you can separate your desktop traffic, mobile traffic and app traffic all in the same view and you compare them exactly like for, because the experience then is the same. Absolutely amazing. And do you think of yourself as like a, uh, I guess a competitor of one? Is there anyone else out there that you know of that you'd say, yeah, we have some competitors out there, but we think we do these five things better? Or do you believe that your view of this, that your methodology and the technology that you've built, the no-code, low-code technology that you've built, do you think that is just completely unique in the marketplace and pretty much you don't have any competitors and now it's just a matter of getting the word out that you exist and getting it, spreading it as far and wide as you possibly can? Yeah, I wish we had no competitors, but we have some, but I don't think we have any that have experience with e-commerce, use this approach and also have a, a service element that essentially gets the job done for the customer. So there are some, maybe even cheap solutions on the market. The concept of a wrapper, we didn't invent that. One could easily find something out there that for little money gives you maybe a template or, or a quick solution, but they're not going to provide the support. They're not, they don't have the experience and the integrations for e-commerce. And, and, and that's it, right? So it, it's the quality of the output and it's the way that we serve a customer that makes us up quite unique. So I think that intersection of e-commerce, service, and the platform, there's nothing out there exactly like that. And it's interesting because I just featured the guys from Platter on the podcast, and they're doing something quite similar to you, but for the Shopify sort of desktop or standard theme-based, browser-based, web browser-based experience. And they decided to go down the exact same route as you, which is to say, hey, we want to have kind of a turnkey solution, but it does need an element of consulting. It does need an element of support. It does need an element of white glove handholding to get them up and running quickly on our platform. So whilst our platform is, it's a SaaS platform for lack of a better term, because their app functionality, everything is hosted by them. And then the theme, of course, is hosted by Shopify. They're like, yeah, we, we could potentially turn this into a 100% SaaS technology that could just be consumed directly by a merchant, but they probably wouldn't have as good of an experience nor as good of a result if we weren't helping to deliver that final solution to them tailored for their needs. 
And it feels like there's a number of SaaS tools out there now that are going down a similar route to you guys, which is to say, hey, the service component is the secret sauce. It is our experience. It's our decade in, in your case. It's our decade plus of experience of doing this that allows us to build on our own tooling this fast and to deliver a ultra refined experience in say less than a month uh, at a very low cost, but you're getting all of the benefits of people that have gone deep into this topic, into this subject, into this technology. Yeah, absolutely. And I listened to that interview and I was there nodding as you guys were talking and, and thinking, yes, someone else that has figured that part out. I think for us, it was just a discovery as we worked with customers that they just want the job done. And ultimately, you can provide a lot more value if you do get that job done. And then as a business, on our side of things, we end up with a customer that is happier, has gotten a better outcome, has got an outcome faster. So overall, is more satisfied. And we actually save a ton of time in terms of customer support because getting somebody that has never built an app before to figure that piece out, and especially working with Apple and Google to get an app approved, that was taking a lot of our time when we didn't have that this model, right? And for some time, we existed with a more typical SaaS model. So over time, we learned that the service piece was the missing element, and we gladly added it and figured out that in the process, we've also started in a way, doing something that other companies might call customer success. So we're just getting closer and closer to the customer. We're trying to figure out exactly what they're trying to achieve, what are the long-term goals. And as we do, and as we have closer and more frequent conversations with our customers, we learn about other things that we could be doing to just help them down the line, right? You built the app. Now, how do you promote it? You built the app. Now, what are your results in terms of sales through the app? How do those compare to your website? And how can we help you even increase further that AOV and conversion from your mobile app compared to what, what's happening on the site. So that's really driving a lot of what's coming for us. Love it. And for you guys, if you were to look at your app development, your platform development, I should say, it was really what it is. It's a platform. What, if you were to look out over the next 12 months, what are some things that it doesn't do today that you say these are high priorities for us? These are things either our customers are asking for or we're already on our roadmap because we knew we wanted to differentiate ourselves further from any major competitors we might have in the marketplace. What does that roadmap look like in terms of significant uh, enhancement over the next, say, year? Yes. So one big focus for us is push notifications. And on that front, it's making sure that our customers are making use of that channel because it's extremely powerful and because, of course, it's the main generator of value here with, with the whole idea of building a mobile app in the first place. So we see their success with the app closely tied with them making use of that channel. So on that front, we've, we're about to launch something that's a bit of an experiment in the short term, but I think a very promising one when it comes to using AI to generate push notifications. And we're able to simply take a look at your website, look through automation, and generate push notifications on, our, on an ongoing basis that are triggered essentially by the changes that are happening on your website. So that as you create those promotions on your site, as you add a banner at the top of your site, we're also able to generate push notifications that you can use in your app. And we just provide a suggestion, right? So over email, we'll send you a batch of push notifications that you can start using with your app. And for us, the, the, the goal is just increasing that utilization of the channel and lower the amount of work that's needed. Oftentimes the problem is, yes, now we have an app, we have push notifications, but who writes them? Who's in charge? And so it might become an afterthought, right? It might become something that's not a priority, but it, it, it's a huge waste uh, of a fantastic opportunity because the customers that do use it, they see the value and they see the results, right? 
And so that, that's a big piece for us, right? So removing the work and creating more opportunities for them to use that channel. We also just introduced cart abandonment push notifications that creates automations that bring people back as, of course, they leave items in their cart. And that's another no-brainer and something that as we build it, we start testing it with our first few customers. And so far, 100% of the people that we presented it to are just closed there and then on the call. We have it as an add-on. It's a, it's a simple one for us. And it's an obvious add-on for them uh, to add to their app experience. And so we want, we're doing more work on that front. And another big piece of what we're looking at is personalization. Again, making use of machine learning. And as we know what's happening inside the app, we can't create recommendations for the user for other content that they can consume. And whether that's accessing a product category, collection, a product, a specific product, or even content through the app. And so we can use that in push notifications and just make them smarter and automated. So that's another big piece that, that we're working on over the year. And in general, we have then platform integrations, as we were talking about earlier. We have customers using Salesforce. We have customers using Magento and we have customers using BigCommerce. And we're building all those pieces so that they can have all these automation features part of, of an app on their, of their own mobile app. Wow, that is a robust product roadmap. That is for sure. And the great thing about not only working with your customers and holding their hand and getting product feedback and getting requests from them, but through the app interface and usage, you're also gathering significant amounts of data from actual users interacting with the app itself. And so it feels like you've got two vectors of feedback coming from the merchants themselves and from the actual users. So fantastic way to drive a roadmap that, and keeping it relevant over time makes complete sense. Now, how do you guys make your money? Now, I'm, I'm assuming that maybe it, you run a SaaS model and I saw on your website, build an app basically for bucks a month. Is your service layer wrapped up in the subscription or is that a separate fee? Do you charge an onboarding or setup fee? How do you guys make your money or is it just a standard subscription and it gets everything in the kitchen sink all in one? Yeah, it's like you say, there's a combination of a subscription and a setup fee. There is a significant amount of upfront work that we do to set up the platform, introduce those customizations and adapting the mobile site experience to the app and then handling all the process with testing. So the internal QA that we do and submission to the stores and all the graphic design that goes together with that to then present the app properly on the app stores. All of that is taken into account in, and, and we charge through uh, a setup fee that gets added that dollars in the, for our first plan. And then there's a, an ongoing subscription that includes everything in terms of support from our team and ongoing changes to the apps. A customer can make any sort of change request over time and we'll take care of that, can make any request for updates to the app and we'll take care of that. So you can imagine anything that needs to happen because of platform changes. iOS and Android, of course, have big major releases every year, but as well as the SDKs that are included in the apps or things like tracking analytics, crash logging, push notifications, all those things, those also need to be updated. So all those kind of continuous performance updates and security updates, that's all included. So essentially for our customers, once they pay that setup fee upfront once, and the ongoing monthly fees, there's nothing else that they need to worry about. We take no performance based fee or revenue shares from our customers. So we don't touch that at all. Our plans are pretty simple and they just follow. There's just some limits in terms of the total amount of users that are allowed in each plan. Wow. Amazing. And presumably also the end customers that have, are, have been using the mobile site 
they then don't have to create a new user if they're already a user of the mobile website and they've already authenticated, then you obviously are just rendering the, the same login type of experience as they would get on the web and they just log in using their existing credentials and they're away laughing. Of course, exactly that. And, and does that become, through your app layer, does that then become tokenized so that every single time they open the app, they're already pre-authenticated? Are you saving that uh, tokenized authentication in the app layer itself so that it's more like a mobile experience where I'm always authenticated and maybe I just have to use my thumbprint or whatever to open the app? Yes, exactly. We typically uh, find we have to do some work with a customer to enable that behavior. But the goal is for the app to essentially remember your login and never uh, ask you to log in again. Wow. Absolutely love it. Pietro, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've learned a ton from you today. I appreciate you sharing all about your amazing platform with me. Now, we're coming to the end of our time together, and I always like to turn the microphone over to my guests, flip the script a little bit, let them ask me one question, any question they like. It can be personal or professional. So, Pietro from Moby Loud, what is your question for me today? Yeah, I'd love to have the opportunity to ask you a question. And given your focus is certainly on B2B and we've had some experience with B2B e-com customers lately, but I'm curious about what your take is about mobile apps in particular for a B2B e-com use case. That is a really excellent question. And the truth of the matter is, I don't know because all of my app-based experience has been in the D2C and B2C world when apps were like all the rage and like most of my clients where it had apps uh, and they were usually bespoke built apps, to be honest, I would assume that you would be able to, because the reality is in the B2B world, we already, we are already able to personalize the experience much more deeply for the user because we know much, so much more about them. We've got a long-term relationship with them. The AOVs are astronomical. The CLV is astronomical because we're, we don't measure that. We don't measure in the B2B world. We don't measure purchases in baskets, right? We're, we measure them by account. And so you've got an account that you're working with. And sometimes there's multiple buyers from within that account that you're working with. And so in the B2C, D2C world, we're trying to win the basket. We're trying to get them to buy as much as possible with every single purchase. And we're trying to incentivize them to come back and be loyal to us uh, with future purchases. In the B2B world, loyalty is built in. And so I don't know if the push notification would be as valuable in the B2B world as it is in the B2C and D2C world. But what I think the push notification could be tweaked a little bit in the sense that instead of maybe pushing the latest promotion or the latest drop or the latest content recommendation, maybe what we would be doing is we would be pushing out information to their account that's unique to them. And we might be saying, hey, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're $200 away from your credit limit, say, for example. Pay it down today so that you don't run into any issues uh, ordering our website for your next order, which based on your purchase history, is you're likely to order within the next week. Um, I, I'm talking about like informational updates. Oh, we've sent this order out. It's, it's on the way, but we've had to split ship it, and the second shipment is likely to be shipped out in the next week instead. There's lots of informational stuff that would normally come from, say, an account manager that would be emailed to, to the customer account that could probably be pushed out via push notification and messaging in the app. And so I feel like instead of prompting a purchase in the moment, which is what mostly the B2C, D2C world would be looking to do through push notifications, it's to prompt a conversion right then and there. I feel like in the B2B world, this could be super valuable just in real-time communications with the customer and updating them and giving them more transparency about what's happening on their account and with their orders. It feels like that would be a bigger win in the B2B world than 
just trying to get someone to buy more stuff and more frequently. A hundred percent. Yeah. And we've seen some customers making exactly that type of use, meaning they'll take whatever is an email notification today. And that almost becomes a push notification, right? And the integration is pretty simple. I think, like you said, the loyalty is already baked in and that's a great solid starting point. I, I would argue that with that loyalty, there's almost no point in building an app in the first place. An app is truly an amplifier of that existing loyalty, right? Even in B2C. So yeah, hopefully there's space for that. And it's certainly something that we're working on. So you give me some good ideas here to explore further. Fantastic. Absolutely love it. Now, Pietro, how do you like people to get a hold of you? Do they, should they just go to the MobiLoud website? I'll put all your links, your, your LinkedIn link and the MobiLoud uh, website link. I will put that into the show notes so people can go and find you. Uh, how do you like people to get a hold of you? Just reach out to you on LinkedIn? Yes, LinkedIn is perfect. I'm very active there. So for sure, that's the way. Fantastic. Pietro, I have super enjoyed this conversation. I learned a ton about the mobile space that I knew nothing about because I'm absolutely not a specialist in any way, shape, or form in the mobile app space. So I appreciate the education and I'm sure my audience will too. And I can't wait to speak to you again soon, my friend. Are you a B2B or D2C e-commerce merchant? Then head over to greenwoodconsulting.net to learn how we can help you scale your business.